We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to Irish Breakdown. Uh, <laughs> I'm so flustered right now. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst. That guy right there is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And, you know, the fun never stops. Yes, it's January. Yes, the season is over. But the offseason has kicked off in uh, a very newsworthy way. Guys leaving, guys staying, coaching hires, all of the above. We're going to talk about players today. Uh, players that have stayed, players that are leaving, all of that fun stuff. We're going to get everybody up to date on everything that's going on. Um, and we didn't get a chance to get Brian's yeah. opinion yesterday because he was uh, en route back to northern Indiana. But he's back, and I'm fired up about that, by the way. Um, and so, Brian, this is going to be a fun show to do. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, we'll have some stuff on coaching hires, but we want to wait till some of that stuff is official. Yes. You know, we've talked about Coach Eastan, and P- I, we got a super chat here from Christopher Mar- Morgan saying, Marcus F. is going off on staff hires. Harry H., James Laronides from Ohio State. I'm pumped for next year already. Also, have you guys heard anything about Holman Wiggins, the wide receiver coach from Bama as well? Until those things become more official, those are things we're going to kind of keep on the message board for now because, you know, we have some comments. We had something on yesterday about Holman Wiggins on the board, and there's another receivers coach that we've heard Notre Dame is ta- targeting. But in the more public forums where it kind of gets a bigger audience, I'd rather make sure that we're actually put we're, we're we're putting out stuff that's that's closer to being done as opposed to just a list of names. So we have heard that. I appreciate your super chat. We have heard some things on that. That that would be some info uh, for the the message board at this point in time. And then, obviously, we've we reported yesterday that we're hearing the same thing that, that I believe Tom Loy had at first yesterday from Two Four Seven Sports about Brian Mason being right. the new special teams coach. But again, we'll dive more into that stuff. What we think of him and other hires when they're actually made is is kind of what we're going to do. So today, we're going to talk about, like Vince said, about the players because the process of remaking this roster has begun in full and it's just getting started there's going to be more players leaving there has to be Notre Dame's over 85 scholarships still at this point in time which surprises me about some of the guys that are staying because I thought 
I thought going in that some of these guys might be leaving because right. of the scholarship. Yeah, issues. which we'll which we'll definitely yeah. get into as we go through each position. But there will be more guys going, and there's going to be some more guys coming in. There's at least one grad transfer that we're going to discuss during the show that we believe is going to uh, to pick Notre Dame, or at least Notre Dame's in a really good position right now with him. So right. This this roster is going to get a bit of a makeover here this offseason. And in some ways, it's going to be good. Some ways, we'll find out. You know, defensive line, we're going to find out. You know, it's yeah. not about transfers. It's about, you know, does Isaiah Foskey go pro or not? Those are things that we will discuss as we kind of get down the road a little bit. But those are things that are going to definitely factor into what this football team is going to look like. And I've heard people ask me, you know, who, well, what's the projected starting lineup for next year? And, and people have asked you, how good do you think this team is going to be next year? And I'm like, I have no idea. So I don't know who's yeah. coming back or not. I don't know who's coming in. Yeah. I don't know who's transferring out for not just for Notre Dame, but for other teams. So that's what this next month is going to be about, is kind of figuring those things out between now and signing day. There's going to be some grad transfers. They're going to make decisions soon because – or not grad transfers, just transfers in general because they want to get to their their school of choice by the spring. Which is right. going to happen here in the next, you know, week to two week. weeks. So yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot going on in that regards, Vince. And um, I think where we've seen the most activity so far is the secondary. Yeah, the defensive backfield has been the flurry of activity, uh, both going and staying, uh, for that matter. Um, and we've seen what three guys leave. We've seen one guy say he's staying. Um, and there's a potential grad transfer as well. So, I mean, just a lot of comings and goings right. and, and and all that. So let's start with the guys that are leaving, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we'll, we'll start talking about them first. So uh, the most recent one, Caleb Offord, decided that he is going to enter the transfer portal. Um, reports are that he was working with the third team uh, throughout bowl practice, so I guess maybe he saw the writing on the wall, got passed up, I would assume, by a couple of freshmen um, as well. So – I, I guess that it's a it's a playtime situation. Are you hearing anything different? No, and, and look, he was buried on the depth chart, and <clears throat> right. I, that was always an interesting one. That when they took him, it was always a he was my lowest ranked recruit right. in the DB class. Clark Lee was infatuated with his length, infatuated with his length, and that's why they took him. And they were going through a time when <clears throat> they had problems of corner. They didn't sign any corners in the 2017 class. They hadn't signed any. The 2019 class, they they were uh, I don't they didn't sign any. Let me think. Trying to think. 2019 knows he was part of the 2020 class. So 2018, they already had some guys leave from the 2018 class. Noel Boykins had already left. You had DJ Brown had already moved to corner or to safety. So they they were in a bit of a need for players, and they kind of took a reach. And he just wasn't a Notre Dame caliber guy. And my it, from a player standpoint, I don't I'm not say anything about Caleb as a young man. Right. Just as a player. And and I think, I, I, you know, so obviously he was passed over by, by younger players. Same thing with Litchfield Algevon at safety, who was also announced that he's going to transfer. You know, he just had gotten passed up by younger players. They had moved Ramon Henderson to, to safety. They had removed Xavier Watts to safety. And those guys immediately went ahead of Litchfield Algevon. Right. He, he's going to graduate, which is the nice thing. So he's leaving with his degree. Of the three guys we're going to talk about in the secondary leaving, he's the one that's leaving with a degree, and that's huge. It, it's absolutely huge, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, no obviously, Kerry G is the third one. That yeah. one was a little bit surprising. <clears throat> you know, he was a guy that, that just had a rough adjustment and just never fit at Notre Dame. In his mind, never fit at Notre Dame. And I think that he looked at the depth chart, and I, 
somehow I don't think it was a I can't believe it was a depth chart thing for him. I just had to I have to think and I haven't got any information on this. I have to think it was uh, not wanting to be like just didn't like it at Notre Dame. I have to yeah. think that's it because I don't know how anyone could look at the safety depth chart and be like, I can't climb up that. I just right. so I have to think, and that's that's okay. Sometimes just kids just you know, because the thing about Kerry is he signed with Notre Dame during a COVID period when he couldn't visit. And and that's just, you know, he took you know virtual visits and he took, you know, the little you know, hand self-guided tour and all that, but it's a different animal than when you get to come up and do overnights and do all those type of things. And so uh, that one doesn't surprise me a ton and that that he that he had a tough adjustment what surprises me is that he made the decision after a semester that he didn't want to be here anymore and so that that surprised me a little bit but you know that's that's two losses at safety at a position where you really couldn't necessarily afford to lose bodies so then you have to say okay well you're going to replace him Vince and that's where Brandon Joseph comes into the equation so we were asked about Brandon Joseph the day that he announced and we said, look, I haven't seen a lot of film of him. Sure. And I can't really give you an opinion of him. The resume looks great. I talked to Ryan Roberts. He loves the kid. But you know me. I'm not taking anybody else's word for it. I got to do it with my own eyes. And so, Absolutely. Popped in the film, liked what I saw. I, really good player. Do I think he's a first-team All-American, consensus All-American in the same way that Kyle Hamilton is? No. He's a really good football player. Reminds me a lot of like an Alohi Gilman, a Jalen Elliott, you know, like maybe even a little bit better. Uh, not even a little. I think he's definitely he's a he's a better natural, more natural safety than Jalen Elliott was. I think he's slightly better athlete than Jalen was. When well, Jalen's playing in the NFL right now and was a two you know multi year starter at Notre Dame on some pretty darn good defenses. So if you project to be a better player than Jalen Elliott, you're a good football player. I was going to say opinion. that's okay. Yeah, and you know, very productive guy, really good ball skills, really instinctive, really smart, good athlete, not an elite athlete, but a definitely a good athlete, more athletic than the two veteran safeties they have now in Houston Griffith and, and DJ Brown. So that's a plus. And he's very, he's got a, ton, a lot of experience. You know, he was, he was a third team, all big 10 player this year on a pretty bad Northwestern team. It was the first 10, all first team, all big 10 player in 2020. And I think I was looking at the numbers. I think he's got eight interceptions the last two years. So that's pretty good. And teams didn't throw at him a ton this year yeah. in some of the games that I saw. So He's a good football player. And now, so here's the latest of what we heard. I just put some on the message board. Basically, what I can tell you is Notre Dame has reached out to him. Ha- they have engaged in conversation with him. They have expressed desire to bring him into the fold. So Notre Dame has done everything they can to say, hey, look, we want you here. Right. Now it's about Brandon saying, is Notre Dame where I want to be? From what I'm told, there's definitely a mutual interest there. Now, he's has not expressed publicly what he's here. And I feel good about where Notre Dame stands right now. You know, and that's about all I can say on it at the time, but they have definitely pursued him. They have definitely pushed for him. And he has been very, very receptive to what Notre Dame is about. And somebody asked, does Joseph have more than one year? Yes, he does. Oh, wow. He, he, and he's a, he was part of the 2019 class. He is a true junior. He's out. He was actually a red shirt sophomore this year for Northwestern. He's graduating. And so he's a really smart kid. He only played four games as a true freshman, plus the year he was All-American doesn't count. So technically has three years of eligibility remaining. He's not If he uses all three of those years, something bad happened. He wasn't as good of a player as Notre Dame thought he was or he thought he was. So he won't be here. I think the, the hope is to just get him at least for one, you, you, then maybe two, if depending on how things go. But 
if he has the kind of year I, you know, he, he wants to have, he's probably a one and done at Notre Dame. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but but sure. probably a one and done. Sure. So I, I think I think that is to me a, a really positive development. Now again, they gotta finish, they gotta close, they gotta do all sure. that kind of stuff, and there's still work to be done, but I feel good about where Notre Dame is as as where things stand right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that would be a big addition. You know, you, you ask, okay, well, then why are you bringing Houston Griffith back? Number one, because Houston Griffith was a solid player this year. Mm-hmm. That's it. It was just a solid player. Yeah. Got beat a couple times, made a couple plays. Oh, all in all, he just was kind of just kind of did his job in unspectacular fashion. That's just the reality of it, right? Didn't but didn't also didn't make like a buddy of mine called he said, Oh, Houston Griffith played terrible on Saturday. I said, like, Okay, uh, what plays did he do bad? We just didn't make any plays. I said, like, Okay, that's fine. Didn't make any plays. How, but he didn't. When did he get beat? When did he miss a tackle? When did he not right. do his job? Right. Was, well, I don't okay, then he didn't play bad. He just didn't play great, right? And that's kind of been Houston's mo. Correct. He doesn't make a ton of plays. Yep. Doesn't get beat a ton. I think that's now, a he, really good description, with, yeah. right? But when he, he just he just kind of does his job. Well, that's all fine and dandy when you're playing most of the teams in the schedule. But when you're playing the, the teams. That that are the top ten, the, the the top teams in the schedule. You can't just have a guy that just kind of does his job, right? You need a guy that can make plays. You need a guy that can when when the going gets tough, like it did against Oklahoma State, can step up and make a play, sure. can make a tackle in space, can make a pass breakup, can make an interception, and that's what we haven't seen from from really a lot of these guys, DJ Houston players like that. DJ Brown has not announced that he's coming back. I don't know if he's going to come back. I I would. I, if I if if Notre Dame feels they're gonna get Brandon Joseph, I don't think they can bring back both fifth year guys. Yeah, and and because it doesn't make sense roster wise. If you bring Brandon Joseph in with Houston Griffith, you have four players at that position now. You got you've got Brandon, 
Joseph and Houston. Again, this is uh, let's work with the assumption that Notre gets him just for argument's yeah. sake. Right. Yeah. You'd have <laughs> you'd have those two guys at one spot. You'd have you'd have Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts at the other. That's a nice four man rotation that Notre Dame would like to use. I think there are also some things that you can do with Xavier Watts and Ramon and and Brandon Joseph in sort of a nickel situation where if you mm-hmm. want to get a third safety on the field, both of those guys could go and play the slot. So I think I think those are those are you can play all of them. You you don't just you, like somebody said. Why would you bring back Houston? I said, well, okay, if you don't bring back Houston and you have you bring in Brandon Joseph, if one of those guys gets hurt, Ramon Xavier or Brandon Joseph, who do you turn to? Mm-hmm. And so you could maybe Justin Walters breaks out. Maybe that happens. That's great. But right now you don't have an answer to that. And so I feel that that this if, if they are able to get by bringing back Houston, if they're able to get. Brandon Joseph. And now you got to convince Ramon and Xavier to stay, right? Like you're gonna have to do with all, all your players. Sure. But that to me solidifies that safety depth chart. And now Notre Dame is gonna be in better at safety than they were the last seven games of the year because number one, Ramon and Xavier are gonna be better, right? And Brandon Joseph would, if he picks Notre Dame, would be better than anybody that they had in the last seven games of the year. Now he's not Kyle Hamilton. But they didn't have Kyle Hamilton the last seven games. There's not many Kyle Hamiltons out there, though, either. I mean, I, I think that's to, that, that, that needs to be said, too. I mean, yes, he was on Notre Dame's roster, and there's not many people like him on Notre Dame's roster. Well, guess what? There's not many people like him in the country. So mm-hmm. replacing him is going to be very difficult in, in the short term, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they'll go out and recruit high-level guys, no question. Uh, but – you know, Kyle Hamilton and, wasn't Kyle Hamilton as a right. freshman either. And, and I want to address this too. Brandon says, is the Joseph and Henderson starting safety lineup with Watson Walters right there at number two pushing for playing time? Sounds good to me. Would be good without both Griffith and Brown. See, you're saying that because you've never seen Justin Walters play. You've, you've never seen <laughs> him play in a real game. So True. it's easy for us to say, well, we can pick apart Houston's flaws as a player. And trust me, we could have a whole show about things that Houston needs to get better at, right? He didn't make the <laughs> jump we hoped he would make. But you can't be good with something you've never seen. You're the problem with Houston is he isn't the player he, he we thought he was going to be. He isn't. But we've kind of turned him into this this new whipping boy, right? Because he's right. not because of his ranking, we we get people get more frustrated with him. Oh, he sucks. You can't play. Well, he's had some plays this year where he's he's made big mistakes, right? As everyone in the secondary had, right? And you, and Brandon said I like Walters up. That's fine, Brandon. But like we're trying to have a conversation about going out and winning games in 2022. And right now, Notre Dame doesn't know what Justin Walters is going to be because if he was that good, he would have played this year. If he was that certain, he would have played this year. And they wouldn't have moved. They would have necessarily moved two guys to safety and and immediately put I him mean, ahead of him. So I right. like Justin Walters mm-hmm. too, and I think Justin Walters could be a player. And I'm not even saying that Justin Walters won't be able to beat some of those guys out. Sure, but if you're Notre Dame, you cannot just assume that Justin Walters is going to progress this offseason. You have to be prepared to go out and battle. Now, if Houston gets beat out by Justin Walters or Xavier or Ramon or Brandon Joseph does, that's fine. But you can't assume it's going to happen. You have to build your roster for what for what you know, exactly. and what you know is that Houston can at least give you depth. Right. And hopefully he can get better next year. But right. we've said this before, you don't often see fifth year seniors that have played a lot. And Houston has now played a lot of football the last two years, just all of a sudden become way better just take players. Off. Than they were. Yeah. Right. So, but you at least know he can be a depth guy for you. And, and that's why I think they made the move there. 
Yeah, and I think it's smart. I mean, you 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 need depth and to bring in people that you know are quality depth that you know at the collegiate level are quality depth. You bring those guys in, and it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you you need depth uh, at all positions, and safety was one where you've already moved two corners, uh, or I'm sorry, you moved a a wide receiver to safety, and you moved a corner to safety, and so you know that you've got depth issues, and now you've got people transferring as well. And so bringing people in, I have no problem with that whatsoever. And I think it's a smart move. I really do. I think it's a really, really smart move, Brian. You didn't see me down here eating? I, I, like trying I had to kick no, it back to me? <laughs> I, I was watching, and uh, I was like, you better chew faster because I'm running well, out of things to say. I was say. expecting you to take us to the next position. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know if you were done talking about it. I, yes. Okay. I, I didn't want to <laughs> jump the gun. But, yes, our next, our next position group that we want to talk about is the offensive line and the offensive line has obviously seen, you know, there's going to be some turnover there. Um, You know, we still have a question mark about Patterson. Uh, Is Jarrett Patterson going to come back? Is he going to stay? That's a big question mark right now. Uh, Josh Lug has already decided that he's coming back, which I think is a very interesting thing that we're going to talk about as well. We touched on this a few weeks ago, Brian, when we were talking about, you know, what do these guys do that have a decision to make and what do we think that they should do, et cetera. Uh, but Josh Lug is coming back. And then you've got Quinn Carroll, who decided that he's going to enter the transfer portal. Not overly surprising. He's a tackle. And, you know, Notre Dame, started two, guard. Yeah. Yeah, Notre Dame started two true freshmen at tackle, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl. So, I mean, I I get it to a degree. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm not overly surprised about that. Uh, but still, there's turnover that we need to talk about on the offensive line for sure. And I don't think he's going to be the last offensive lineman to transfer. I think we'll I, see something yeah. else. We'll see somebody else leave. I don't know who that's going to be. I don't. That's not a. That's yeah, not a. Setting I know, but I'm yeah, not right. telling you. It's not that. It's. <laughs> I just feel like there's the number. There's 17 guys. Whether that's John Dirksen taking a fifth year somewhere, whether that's. You know, because look, here's what's going to happen, right? When when you hire new position coaches, especially offensive line, because yeah. the numbers are good there, you're you're gonna, coaches going to sit down and say, "Hey, look, love you, but you just don't really fit into what I'm looking for." Sure. And you know, you can stay, and and I'll coach you up, and I'll coach you hard, and all that other kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you right now, you're going to have a tough time getting on the field, right? And that's going to free up some guys, which would then open up some scholarship numbers in the 2023 class. And they're going to need that. I mean. You know, Notre Dame's going to need some scholarships to open up here. I mean, just to get to the 85 for the 22 season, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, with some of the guys that have decided to come back, and and obviously, we're, and, and Josh Lug is one of those, um, for me, anyway. I, I, I kind of anticipated that Josh Lug would either, you know, try to take, you know, take his talents to the next level or do a grad transfer someplace else. Um but he has decided to come back, and that means he was asked to come back, right? He was. So there's two yeah. things about that one. So let's let's just dive into the Josh Lug one now. Okay. Number one is I I, I love Josh Lug. He is one of the one of my favorite recruits to cover. I got to yeah, know Josh personally question. pretty well during his recruitment, and he's a really good, really fun kid, guy. really nice kid. And but here's my issues. Number one, he's not a natural tackle. Number two. I thought he was going to be out of high school. <clears throat> the reason I say he's not a natural tackle now, he's not the athlete he was coming out of high school because of the injuries. He's had back injuries, knee injuries. He's had a lot of injuries that have made him a step, a little bit of a step slower than than what he was coming out of high school. I mean, if, if Josh Luck this year was the guy he was in 2019 when he started a right tackle, we're having a different conversation about bringing Josh Luck back. 
because I don't think he's coming back. I think he he's going to, to the NFL. But he hasn't been that guy, which is why we said this offseason you needed to move him to guard where he's not right. playing in space. Right. So, number one, I fully anticipate them, from what I'm told, I, I anticipate them moving him to guard, whether that's going to be day one of fall camp or, I mean, in spring practice or if it's as things go on. And Coach Eastan, who we think will be the next offensive line coach, kind of goes through things. I think you look at it and say, okay, well then I could I could see I could see I could see Josh Lug moving quickly. And I think he'll move somewhat soon, if not before. So I think putting him at guard puts him in a much better position to to not only maintain a starting job, yeah, yeah, but to potentially thrive if he can stay healthy. But that's the big if about Josh Lug. Sure. And that's the risk you run is let's just say Josh comes in and and oh, the other thing I've said. He was told flat out, you are not promised a starting job. He understood that coming in. And I was told it was actually announced to the team in front of Josh that 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 he's not promised a job to the offensive line. Or at least the offense. I was told it was announced to them to the point that that's how much Josh loves Notre Dame. Josh wants one more year at Notre Dame is kind of the way it was portrayed. I appreciate that. I like that. Big time. That's great. Big yeah. time. He's, yeah. He wants to be a part of what they're Somebody doing. He wants to be there. It's right. a novel idea, right? I mean, it's they're not just there to necessarily improve their draft stock. Obviously, that will come with the territory if you're playing for Harry Heastan, in my opinion. Right. But the fact that he just wants to be there and his post that he put out there was basically about the team. It's like right. he wants to be there and be right. with the team. Like, right. That's the stuff I miss, honestly, yeah. about this day and age with football. Yeah. Yeah, I want to address something else here, real, real too, real quick. This kind of, um, he's, I think he's trying to be funny, but it kind of annoys me. Joe Marnell says, Brian, I do need to throw you a little elbow. Back midseason when Kelly was here, I remember Harry Heaston ain't walking through the door. LOL. Think we're all happy that changed. Well, there was what well, part of that? that. Yeah, because <laughs> Kelly was here. Yeah. Harry Heaston was not coming back into coaching to go anywhere other than Notre Dame, and he wasn't coming back to Notre Dame because Harry Heaston, because Ke- Brian Kelly was here. Right. So, that's absolutely where it was. Now, if you want to say, okay, you knew midway through the season when I we were talking about that, that Brian Kelly was leaving after the year, good on you. I didn't. So, uh, yes, Harry Eastman was not coming back to Notre Dame unless Brian Kelly left. That's 100% fact. In fact, I was told by a couple sources that Notre Dame pursued him this season to see if he would come back and help, and he said no You're right? because he doesn't want to work with Brian Kelly. Well, Brian Kelly's not here anymore. And so that's why Harry Heastan's coming back. And if you notice, Harry Heastan didn't didn't pursue anyone, right? So uh, if you knew that he was going to come back, or if you knew Kelly was leaving, then you can say you can you can be critical of when I said he's not leaving or he's not coming back. Okay, if you knew that, but I'm assuming you didn't. So anyway, back to the the topic at hand. I think Josh Lug getting to play for the coach that recruited him here or something, if you're him, is going to be a little bit attractive too. Because this is who he got coached by as a freshman. Exactly. This is who he came to learn to play for. Right. If you're Josh <laughs> Lug and you want a chance to play at the next level, then you're going to want to you're going to want to you know that Harry He stands your best chance to make that happen. Yeah. No question. I, I also think if Josh moves to guard and he's healthy, you've got an immediate upgrade at right guard. Yes, sir. Now, right, we, what I, you and I were talking about this as you were stranded on the runway yesterday. Oh, uh, about two the, and a half stinking. <laughs> sorry, out. I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Um, I because I, yeah. Anyway, we were talking about like, look, if if Lug is healthy, 
I think he's one of the top five guys. And if he's one of the top five guys, you get him on the field, right? I mean, that that's mm-hmm. how I personally feel. I, I've always been a Josh Luck fan. And I mm-hmm. when, when once we found out that he was playing so injured this year, I mean, obviously it answered a lot of the questions that I had about his play and things of that nature because he, he didn't he didn't play great at times. I mean, there's no question about it, right? From a technical standpoint, it's just he didn't play well. If he's healthy right. and he moves to guard, I still feel like he's one of the five best on this team. And that can only help Notre Dame. If he's one of the five best and they start him, then I think that'll help Notre Dame because it means that right. Josh had a good offseason. He's healthy and all those right. things. 100% agree. Because Josh, Cause like, I only want a, the top good football. If player. he's not the right. top five, I, I don't want him right. on the field. The, I mean, that's the key is yeah. right. The key is going to be you don't just move him and all of a sudden he's the guy. And right. you see what happened with K Madden this year where he's going to play no matter what. I mean, you can't have right. that, right? It has to be he he was better than other guys. You need to make sure that Andrew Kristoffic and Rocco Spindler, and if he comes back, a John Dirksen or a Michael Carmody and guys like that are given every opportunity right. to beat him out. Because if if Josh is is gonna stay in the starting lineup, it, he needs to have beaten some guys out. Okay. And what you don't want to have happen is what happened with with K- that's the mistake Coach Eastan can't make relative to the one that Jeff Quinn made which is no matter what Kane Madden did this year, nobody else is getting a shot at right guard. Nobody. And to me, that can't be the case this right. year. Right. So let's just say, let's just say that, that, that Pratter, Patterson comes back. You've got Zeke Carell. You've got Andrew Kostovic. You've got Josh Lug. You've got Rocco Spindler. You've got Michael Carmody. You've got a lot of guys in, in that battle to be, you know, the num- the, the left and right guard. Obviously, Andrew Kostovic started this year. It's kind of funny. People automatically assuming he's going to get beat out by either Rocco or Josh Lug. Andrew Kristoff right. played pretty good football this year he when did. he got in the lineup. Now he's got he to get better, game. right? You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's got to get better for no question about it, especially in the run game. But he played pretty good football. So as long as there's a legitimate battle, you know, then I, I'm, I don't care who starts. Right. That, that's always my thing. I, I don't pick. That's I don't five. care about. Winners and losers. If if I think a kid's really good and somebody else legitimately beats him out, that means that guy must be really good because the other kid I thought was a pretty good player. So that's going to be the the interesting thing for Coach Eastan is he's going to have to make sure that it's it's not just a young guys playing because situation, which wasn't all. I mean, you know, he started redshirt freshman. He started true freshman. You know, he played Ronnie Stanley and Steve Elmer as true freshman. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, we've seen him play younger guys before. I don't think that's going to be a question. It's just those, as long as those guys are being given a chance to earn it. And the other thing, nice thing too, is with Harry Heastan walking to the door, everybody's kind of got a fresh start. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, Cause he didn't right. recruit the vast majority of the guys that are going to be in that room. Now he's probably watched them from afar, but remember the first few years, he actually did have a job coaching in the NFL. So, I mean, he wasn't right. just watching Notre Dame and be like, okay, when I get back there, I want to make sure I know who these guys are now. He's throwing the film in now, and he's starting to watch what these guys can do, et cetera. But he's coming in fresh. I mean, he look, the one thing we always said when Harry Heastand was the coach is he's going to find the five best linemen, and he's going to figure out how to get them on the field. No matter who the center is, no matter who the guards are, no matter who the tackles are, Harry Heastand is going to get the five best guys, and he's going to get them on the field. And that I love that strategy, right? His two strategies that I love the most is he would recruit tackles, and turn them into whatever he needed to turn them into, and then 
he would figure out who the five best linemen are, and those are the guys that played. And that was that. That's what I love about Harry Heastad. It's it's fundamentals, and it's the best guys on the field, right. regardless of age, regardless of whatever. Right. Those guys are the ones that are going to play. And hey, you've never snapped the ball before, but you're one of my five best. So guess what? We're going to teach you how to be a center. You know, mm-hmm. like I love that. I, I think that mm-hmm. that's outside the box thinking. We also have a super chat from the Spanky. It says, "Thank you, Jason, for that." Brian, I'm also going to throw an elbow at you. You said midseason that I wouldn't have been able to sack you back in when we were both in high school primes, and we are all sure as so as no, that wasn't true. Jason, you couldn't sack me now. When we were definitely in our primes, you definitely Ouch. wouldn't have sacked me. I can guarantee you of that, my friend. And uh, you're just going to eventually one of these days, Jason, you're just going to have to learn to embrace that reality that you could not have sacked me. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry to hurt you. I know this has been a sore spot for you for the, about the last 10 years when we've had these conversations, but sometimes it's time to come out of la la land and get back to reality of, of the situation. But Jason, thank you for that super chat, my friend. I really do appreciate it. And then Patrick bird did say this. He says, hasn't luck been injured every year. I like the guy all heart, but just worry about injury. Yeah, that's, and that's my concern. It's legit. And at the end of the day, that's my biggest concern is let's say Josh comes back. He's doing really well earns the starting right guard job, which means fewer snaps for Rocco Spindler or Billy Shrouth or whoever those guys are, and then he gets hurt again. And those guys are thrust into the lineup where where they received how many fewer snaps than they otherwise would have. That's the risk that you run bringing Josh Lug back. And and, and the, the, the point that I've tried to make to people is it's not always just about you need depth, you need competition. That's all true. But you also have to be smart enough about it to say, hey, if we're going to have competition, we need to make sure that we're putting guys in a situation where they're getting the reps necessary to, to develop as players. When a sixth-year senior is battling against a freshman who played, like, what, five snaps this year in, in Rocco Spindler, the six-year guy is going to always have the edge in that regards, in practice, right? And so that's the concern. A guy like Rocco Spindler needs the reps to go out there and prove that he can develop and become that kind of player. And right now, with all the numbers, I mean, again, if John if John Dirksen leaves, you're going to have 16 offensive linemen on the roster next year as of right now. Now, that could change if Jarrett Patterson goes pro and somebody else transfers and all that, but we can only go off what we know right now. And I think that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. So, At the very least, Josh Luck provides you quality, quality depth. Yes. At, I mean, at the very at, least. At the very least, correct. But again, I still am concerned that if he does get injured again, Sure. You've now taken reps away. And that's something you have to consider when you're in. It doesn't mean you don't bring him back. Sure. It just needs to be part of the equation that you're looking into on this one. But I hope Josh does well. I like Josh. I mean, look, I'm taking my analyst hat off for a second, just going human being. I like Josh like a lot. And and I hope he does well. I mean, I really do hope he does well because he's a really good kid. Comes from a good family. You know, he's he's and he's battled through a ton ton of injuries in his career and has never complained about it and i mean marcus freeman even said he already had a meniscus problem before the bowl game before even you know i mean he's playing with a with a bum knee so i just i i look at it and i i just feel like you know i I root for the kid then you then you put the, the the analyst hat back on and you say but he's gonna have to play a lot better than he has the last two years if he wants to keep that job so that's that's kind of where you are there Yep. 
Okay, so let's move just slightly outside the offensive line, and let's talk a little bit of tight end, uh, Brian. George Takis announced yeah. that he's coming back. Uh, this one caught me a little bit by surprise, and if anybody watched our show in the summertime and we were talking about guys to keep an eye on and, and guys that we liked and, and, and all of those things, um, I, I, I like George Takis. I do, and I, and I thought he would be a nice compliment um, you know, to, to, to mayor and, and everything that they want to do with the tight ends, et cetera. I, I like George Takis a lot. Mm-hmm. He's one of those tough decisions as a coach that I would have had to make. And I would have said, look, George, we love you, but there, we don't have room for you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that this is Vince talking that this is me. If I was the coach, that's the conversation. And it would have been a tough conversation because I really like George. And I think mm-hmm. he adds to the team. There's no question. But there's so much depth right now at the tight end position from the youth movement that, the, I mean, they've been bringing in two tight ends every year. I feel like that's a scholarship that we that you could have used elsewhere, potentially, right? Um, but obviously they didn't see it the way I saw it. And they invited George back and he has decided to come back as well. So Notre Dame is in a weird situation at tight end because you have seven tight ends on scholarship next year, which is too many, just it's too many. And I asked a couple sources after the Takis news broke. I said, is there anybody transferring? Not not that I know of, not that I'm aware of. And that's too many tight ends on a roster. I'm sorry, because again, it's about roster management. You know, like Mike Gundy, I asked Mike Gundy a question about the defense at the beginning of the bowl prep, and he talked about how they took two scholarships away from the offense game to the defense. That's a real thing. You can only have a certain number of scholarships on offense and defense. So unless you're just saying, hey, we're just going to have to go with seven receivers and we're not going to add any receivers to the roster, then okay, I guess. Hmm. But that's a poor strategy. Right. And exactly. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And number two, it doesn't make sense for George. I don't know what George is thinking. Right. You because could go, he could easily go and be the number one tight end at a lot of schools. There's at least 20 to 25 power five schools he could go yes. to and be their number one guy. LSU Correct. tried to get him. Uh, Brian Kelly tried to recruit him to LSU. He'd have been their number one guy down there. Yeah. Now, I understand why he wouldn't want to go to LSU, but. You know, my, but, my, my but your point is taken. Yeah. Though, that yes, you could go kid, to the SEC. And, and for Notre Dame, here's the deal. If Notre Dame is going to bring George Takis back, now one thing I'm told is that George, like all the others, is not promised anything. Look, you're going to have to battle with Kevin and sure. Kane and Mitchell and all those guys. The the interesting thing too is Notre Dame has seven scholarship guys, but there's only six there's only going to be six healthy tight ends at the beginning of the year. Because Eli Raritan tore his knee in basketball in, in December. That's right. That's right. Now he should be back at some point in time during the season, but an, an undersized, a tall, skinny freshman who's going to miss most of the offseason is not a guy you want to be counting on as a true freshman. I was going to say, and I don't think he – I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he, they would have counted on him in the 22 right. season. <clears> now, I mean, I think he could have played. I mean, if Mitchell Evans can get on the field. True. Who, no, who didn't true. even play tight end in high school. Then, then that's when – I, when I say that about Mitchell, I'm not saying Mitchell's not a good player. I'm saying, like, the kid wasn't even a tight end in high school. He was a quarterback as a senior sure. high if he can get him and he tall, skinny, right? That's the whole point of the comparison between him right. and and Eli Raritan. Then Eli and Holden Stace could could potentially get on the field next year. But you've got Kane Barong coming back from a knee injury that he suffered late in the year. So I, I guess I kind of understand it in that regards, but from an 85 scholarship limit, it makes no sense to me. Right. And you're gonna have to come, you're gonna have to be go one less receiver or one less running back or one less quarterback than what you because your numbers are so high on the offensive line at tight end, 
mm-hmm. you're going to have to go lower on one of those positions. And I don't know if I'm feeling comfortable about going lower on those positions, especially quarterback and wide receiver. Running back, I'm fine with four. <clears throat> right. But the other ones, I'm, I'm not feeling as good about. But, I mean, George, George, George Takis played over 400 snaps this year. He got thrown the ball four times. Four exactly. times. Like, why would you want to come back and play for that? I, I right. don't understand what he's thinking, to be completely honest with you. Now, th- they may have promised him more opportunities, but we didn't see that in the bowl game. He played a ton mm-hmm. of snaps in the bowl game and got zero passes. They, they were in 12 personnel a lot more than I thought they were going to be, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, and it was in, and there were times that he was in, they were in 12 personnel. And I was like, really? This is, I don't know that I agree with being in 12 personnel yeah. right now. And I, and I know they're multiple out of 12 and all of that, but uh, they were having so much success out of 11 personnel that I was surprised that they went to 12. But either way, he played a ton in the Fiesta Bowl, and I don't think he got targeted one time. Yeah, I I just don't understand it from either side, honestly. Yeah. I mean, because there's other guys you can bring back to be, be the blocking tight end. You know, and and he wasn't a great block. He was a good blocker, but he wasn't right. a great blocker. He's reliable. So I, I mean, just yeah. – it, this one doesn't make a ton of sense to me, to be honest. For either side, for I don't understand George doing it. I, I really don't. I don't understand George making the decision. I think that. it's more confusing to me from his side than it Agreed. is from the team side. I think that's I think, a great point. I think from the team side, you could argue that, okay, they've got two guys that are injured. You know, you want to make sure that you've got depth and all that. And I, I understand that. I can, I can wrap my mind around that, especially if you anticipate that a couple of these offensive linemen are, are going to transfer as well because you've got 17, I think, uh, scholarships on for offensive linemen. And if you're anticipating a couple of those guys to maybe move on, okay, you keep George, you know what you're getting with George, et cetera, just like we talked about with Josh Lug, um, and you've got two guys that are injured. So, okay, I get that. But from George's standpoint, you have an opportunity to go be the number one tight end someplace and someplace legit. You know, and and you said LSU, so let's 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 go ahead and just say that you're playing in the SEC. You got an opportunity, mm-hmm. especially in Mike Denbrock's offense, to get some serious playing time right. and to get the ball thrown your direction a lot. And so it, it does surprise me from his standpoint more than anything else, because I really think he could help himself if he now maybe he has no plans to play in the future. Maybe maybe he's made that decision. I I don't. I'm speculating. I don't know. Um, but if you want to play in the NFL, you want to raise your stock a little bit. Why would you not want to be the number one guy? Right. It, it just it's confusing. Or at least the number two that's going to get twenty plus targets. I mean, sure. You know, that, that like if Notre Dame's promising him that, then okay, I understand it. But even then, it's like you know, I, I they're going to have to drastically change their offense. And I don't know if that's something I love. I don't know if I love them becoming a dominant 12 personnel no i don't want that throw to the number two tight end all the time kind of team i you know i mean i like you said even from the name standpoint like you don't know what avery davis's health status is going to be like you know okay i get it joe wilkins i mean you know what his health status necessarily is going to be i mean yeah but 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 that then then why was this receiver coach situation not dealt with earlier sure you know, I mean, if you're in this dire of a situation that you got to bring back seven tight ends because you're in such bad shape at receiver, then whatever. Uh, I know. It, why it, were you battling to keep Dell Alexander? Why were you defending Dell Alexander? It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. But anyway, that that's the kind of the weird thing at tight end. And again, none of this has anything to do with George Takis as a player. I, I think George Takis should like be George. used more. I like he George. He should be used more. Yeah. Yep. But they haven't done that. 
which is why I think, Vince, your point is this is more of a head-scratcher from his point of view than it right. is from Notre Dame. I, I understand why. Other than it doesn't make sense at on the 85 level. Right. I get why Notre Dame wants to bring George Tackers back. He's a good football player. Mm-hmm. He's a veteran, you know. Yep. I just I don't understand why he'd want to come back, to be honest. <laughs> right. So we'll see. I, we, got, we do have a couple things here real quick. We've got a super chat from David M., David says, uh, first of all, thank you, David. He says, can you discuss the options at center if Patterson doesn't come back? I know Zeke played center, but he was bad this year. Who would compete with him there? I do like Zeke at center. Yeah. I, I do. And I think I think he was playing out of position at guard. Um, he was poorly coached. And he was poorly coached. Those two come on, right. Those two things combined hurt him. A kid guard. with his body type cannot afford to, to not be coached well. And leverage bad and technique hand play and, leverage, and all yes, that exactly. kind of stuff is so important yeah. for a kid that's 6'2", 295, right? Mm-hmm. And say, well, he played well in 2020. Yeah, when Chris Watt was there. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I can make this clear why some guys played so much better the one year they had Chris Watt than any other year the, of the Jeff Green. Right. I don't know why people have a hard Mind time blowing. Yeah. You know, so we'll see kind of how that goes. But um I li- I'm confident with Zeke there. Uh, they'll have Pat Coogan as a as a up and coming depth guy, and there's other guys they'll consider moving there. I mean, Andrew Christophic has played there, so if if it's looking like you know they really like Rocco and Lug at guard, let's say let's say Rocco between Rocco and Michael, Car- let's say they move Michael Carmody to guard, they yeah. move Lug to guard. Let's just say because I-, I think Michael Carmody is a guard. I just I think he could be a really good guard. You've He's the guy that we're that. not yeah. we're not talking a lot about him. I think Michael Carmody as a guard could be a really good player. So let's say between Lug, Carmody, and Rocco, Notre Dame really likes its guard rotation. Plus, you've got some young, you know, Billy Shrouth, and you've got some young guys you could turn to. And Zeke's not, they're not, they're not comfortable with Zeke at center. You can move Andrew Kostovic there. He's played there before. He's sure. gotten snaps at center in practice. He's done that. And you could move him there. So I think they'll be fine there. I think right now. If Patterson leaves, you give Zeke the early spring as the one to kind of battle, but then you still work on, you know, cross-training Andrew. Because the nice thing, too, is because Andrew Kristoffic now has like seven starts under his belt, he has the experience level where I'm now more comfortable cross-training him a little bit in the spring as that center because he now has the guard reps and the guard experience to say, hey, we know what you can do here and we think you can get better. So that's how I kind of look at that. So I would give Zeke that shot, but then cross-train Andrew Kristoffic as well. And they recruited Ashton Craig to be a center. Now, that could all change when Harry Eastan shows up. He may like Ashton Craig somewhere else. He may like one of the other guys to center. But they're going to find a center from their current class, whether it's Ashton Craig or Joey Tonona. They're going to find a center from the current class. So that that would be my options at center. And I want to address this one too, Vince, from Savage Cyan Fitness. Hey, Brian and Vince, any truth to Avery Davis coming back at least – that's what I'm hearing. Just want you to know, buddy. I'm going to say it again. This is why you need to be on the message board because this is something we put out two weeks ago. Yeah, it's been so a I while. had somebody call me yesterday and they're like, "Hey, why aren't you? Why aren't you guys saying anything about Dell Alexander being let go? Like everybody's talking about it because we reported this two days ago. What should I? Right. Why should I report it again when we reported two days ago? So on the message board. So that's what I would encourage you to do. That's another reason you need to sign up because we can get that stuff out immediately on the message board. So we were told it was two weeks ago. It was the week before the bowl game that Avery Davis had told the team. I was told that he told his teammates at the banquet that they did after the season. Right. That he yes, was coming that's back. That's when you put it out. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, and just uh, just to kind of go back to the center thing, I actually took some pregame, uh, a pregame video of the quarterbacks taking snaps because um, I was on the field uh, at the Fiesta Bowl. And they- I'm sorry, that was that was so fun talking to Vince when he's on the field. It was so cool. You'd have thought he was like a little kid, like getting ready to go trick or treating. He was so happy. It was, <laughs> it was such. It was, for me, it was a cool moment, right? Like it just like when you just hear that joy. Vince was so fired up to be on the field. It was so awesome. Yeah, I, it was so awesome. Um, but I took a video of the of the quarterbacks taking snaps, and there were four guys that were uh, practicing at center. Um, obviously Patterson, and then Zeke Carell was the number two, and then uh, Andrew Kristoffic was the number three, and Pat Coogan was the number four. So. Uh, that's what the depth chart would have looked like going into the Fiesta Bowl if they had if they had to use it, obviously. Right. But just so everybody's aware of the kind of where things stand at the moment. Um, but of course, Harry Heastan coming in, you know, could definitely change all of that. So I just wanted to just wanted to throw that out there just with some empirical evidence. I actually pulled up the video as we were talking. So uh, to make sure I got it right. But those are the four guys that were taking snaps. But that kind of backs up that point that if Zeke Carell doesn't make it at center, Right. Andrew Christophic's an, an easy turn to be again exactly. that experience he got this year at guard is going to help him be more you know what he can do at guard now you continue to work he's got to get better he's got to get stronger he's got to be more forceful sure. things that I don't think he or anyone else on the line was coached to do so I think he is one of the guys that I think could benefit the most from Harry Eastan being the offensive line coach right. I think Zeke Carell's another I think those two guys more than anybody else could benefit of the veterans could benefit from Harry Easton come coming back oh, if that's yeah. in fact what we see happen. So I I, I definitely I, I'm definitely curious to kind of see that. Now look, I don't think Notre Dame's done on the, the transfer portal. I know there's some receivers they're looking at. They're trying to find the right fit. Uh, there's a receiver that uh, I was told yesterday is not in the in the portal yet, but no, but but is thinking about it, and he would be a guy that I would expect Notre Dame to go after if he does, in fact, jump under the portal. So there's a lot of work to be done there. I don't think it's all going to be by spring. I mean, look, Nick McLeod's a guy that Notre Dame didn't get to like May, if you if you remember correctly. I mean, he was a, he was a guy that like transferred later in the process, and they got him in like May. Right. Kane Madden's a guy Notre Dame got like right before the season. Yeah. So there's going to be more guys come along. So you don't panic and take a guy now that you don't think can really help you just to fill numbers needs. Because then if a guy comes along that can help you down the road, because what's going to happen is there's some kids that are thinking about leaving that are going to stay for the spring with new coaches and see how things go. Sure. And then make we always see the after spring. 
always. And they don't have to be down to 85 until fall, right? Yeah, until like when classes start, which right. is usually like a couple weeks into fall camp. So the, the, you can be over in the spring and you can kind of right. feel things out and you can kind of see. I mean, look, there's going to be some competition at some spots. And then, you know, after the spring's over, then you kind of sit, you might sit a guy down or two and be like, hey, you know, maybe it's in your best interest to transfer. You know, and that, I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to do that, but they will have the ability to do that after a whole spring's worth of competition, right? So um, we don't have to necessarily, I mean, we have to worry about the 85, but it's not critical until the fall, until going right. into the fall. Right, right. C. Seavers had a, early on had a, a super sticker. I appreciate that very much. We have a couple super chats that we didn't get to that we were okay. kind of waiting until the end. So I want people to think that we, um, we we didn't we never ignore them. You. They just there there were things that we wanted to kind of focus on first. So we also have a super chat from Dan Muller. This is relevant. I wanted to talk about this. Uh, That's why I'm bringing up Dan's super chat now. Yes. Any Dan. chance of Notre Dame landing Caleb Williams, who entered the portal? We always say Notre Dame is an elite QB from contending. Much better passer runner than Buckner. Uh, much better passer than Buckner. Yes. N not not a better runner than Tyler Buckner. I don't know if there's a better running quarterback in the freshman class than Tyler Buckner, with all due respect. Better passer? Absolutely. More, well, I'd say definitely a more proven passer, absolutely, and I think he's a more talented passer as well. I'm just going to be honest. That one is not going to happen. So we had, a, again, why you need to be on the message board, Sean Davis had put something on the message board last night, and he left Dude. some stuff out uh, that I'll, I'll say now, but Malik Zaire <laughs> – talk to Caleb Evan at uh, Caleb Williams. And uh, let's just say Notre Dame will not be on the radar, no matter what Notre Dame tries to do. Right. Notre Dame. He also said Notre Dame has not reached out. And honestly, Notre Dame shouldn't reach out. And the reason Notre Dame shouldn't reach out is because number one, Notre Dame can't afford Caleb Williams. Number two, there's already a burned bridge because of Brian Kelly. And that's what Sean left out. And number three, I don't know. Notre Dame doesn't have the proven track record of developing quarterbacks that Caleb Williams is looking for on top of, the other things that Caleb Williams is looking for. So you could say, hey, you go after him and you're not going to get him. And now that's the second big name name quarterback on the that you've gone after. What does that say to your younger quarterbacks? Right. Keaton Slovis is an easy one to spend because you it's true. They didn't offer him a starting job. They didn't promise him anything. And so it was kind of to come in and, and compete and you know he wasn't promised. Caleb Williams doesn't come to Notre Dame if he's not starting. Right, exactly. And so what would that and say? Why would he? Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine. So knowing you're not going to get him, you absolutely don't kick the tires on Caleb Williams. And I, I I, don't disagree with the talent. And I've said in the past, like there's probably two quarterbacks that I would look, if they wanted to come to Notre Dame, I would absolutely look at and take. And he's one. I think Carson Strong from Nevada is the other one that I would definitely want to look at. Because, you know, like you said, Dan, he's an elite quarterback. But he's not coming to Notre Dame. And you know he's not coming to Notre Dame. And, you know, I just – He has no interest it's in not, coming It's not worth it. He, and so all, it, it only yeah. hurts you to, to, to publicly right. pursue him at this point. There's no time. point. He doesn't want to come. I mean, I, and it's not – he's not going to change his mind because you go and recruit him and you do an amazing job recruiting him. He doesn't want to mm -hmm. come to Notre Dame. And, and there's deep-seated reasons for that. And, you know – he wants to beat Notre Dame. He doesn't want to go to Notre Dame. There's a mm -hmm. big difference there. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so, yeah, that's it is what it is, people. It's okay. We have a super chat from Dave Valensky, a Minnesota fan. He says, is it, Quinn Carroll is from Adena, Minnesota. 
as a Gopher fan, I hope that PJ Fleck can get him to come home. And, and I think throw, that's throw pronounced Dinah is what I think I remember people jumping on me when he was being recruited. No, that's fair. Yeah, his dad, I think also, uh, Quinn Carroll's dad, oh, please stop rowing the boat. I'm going to hurl. Uh, <laughs> I was just waiting for a comment. I think I think Quinn Carroll's dad also played in Minnesota. His dad, Jay, played in Minnesota. It would make a lot of sense that he, that would be a school he would look at. And I hope that's where he does go, to be honest with you, because I, I I like Quinn Carroll. I think Quinn Carroll's a decent player. I, sure. He's just never been the same guy after the knee injury. It's just he hasn't. But a place like Minnesota with the system they run, I think Quinn could do well there. I do. I think he could really do well there. I think that's more where he is right now because of the injury. I think it's more of where I think he could be. And Dave has another super chat we'll get to here in a minute, but I wanted to get to a couple others. Corey D., who recently just joined the message board, are you hearing anything about Clarence Lewis moving to safety or nickel? Not only was he bad the other day, but I think it's time for Barnes or Riley. Uh, Number one, uh, again, we have to understand, guys, that – Yes, we all agree that Clarence Lewis is bad. We've talked throughout the season that Clarence Lewis is more of a safety than he is a corner. That That's yep. not a new thing here at Irish Breakdown. And that's why we talked about when we did our players to watch, we talked about Clarence Lewis instead of Cam Hart because we right. knew that they were going to go after Clarence Lewis and how well he played was going to determine the game. And, and that's exactly kind of how it played out. What happened, yeah. And so they have talked about it in the past. I don't know where they are with that now. I think they like him at corner now because there's certain things he can do. I personally don't. Number one, Clarence Lewis is not as bad as he was against Oklahoma State. He had a bad game. Let's not act like Clarence Lewis hasn't played receivers better than Tay Martin before. Okay, he has. Bama did not beat him as bad as he got beat on Saturday. USC with Drake London did not beat him as bad as as as. Oklahoma State did on Saturday and on and north two games against North Carolina and NFL. He had a bad game. Now, Clarence Lewis is also not a guy you're going to go beat. And we've said this you're not going to go beat Ohio State and, and Alabama and schools like that with Clarence Lewis as your starting corner. Both of those things are true, but he's not a useless corner, which is why no one else has been able to beat him consistently as bad. Now, he has struggled in the bigger games. You know, was he, he caught a break against weak point in the South, Wisconsin. They had two times they beat him deep, and the quarterbacks missed. Cincinnati, he got beat a decent amount. So he's not that guy. And so th- why are they playing him? Clearly, they don't feel the younger players have pushed him. That. And we, we kind of get into this thing as fans where we kind of look at, like, well, this guy was this, and this guy was that, and it's time for that guy. And to a degree, I agree with that. I mean, I don't – necessarily disagree with that but those guys still got to go prove it though right and you don't just move a guy and hope that those guys pan out those guys have to pan out first before you move a guy that's how it works because if you move him from the corner to safety which i'd be all for and then the younger guys don't pan out at corner and then you got to move him back he lost out on reps he needs to become a better player and so, yes, hopefully that happens down the road. I would like to see him get beat out by somebody else just because I think there's better, more more talented sure. corners on the roster. Sure. Doesn't necessarily mean better. But you've got to be – you've got to – guys have to first – guys have to first prove things before you start moving things around too much, in my opinion. And Spanky, after decades, still living in fantasy world – if we faced you in high school, you wouldn't even be here today. We'd all be forced to listen to Mike Frank's nonsense. 
The fantasy part is the fact that you still think you could have sacked me. Your teammates <laughs> might have sacked me. You wouldn't have sacked me, my friend. And just so anyone knows, this is a long-running – I've known Spanky for over 10 years. This is a long-running joke between he and I. He played it at Pittsburgh Central Catholic, and uh, we've had this joke before. So if anyone actually – because some people just don't have a sense of humor. If if uh, if you think we're being serious, then we're, we're not. We're having some fun, <laughs> and he's a, a good buddy of mine. All right, so here's the other question from Dave Valensky. So uh, what do you guys think this year, uh, the uh, Samrock series, and how many players do you think will transfer to LSU and play for Kelly? So uh, I think you missed a super chat of mine. We did get your super chat, Dave, but this is just how we we don't always bring them all up at once, right? Uh, so we appreciate your your patience and appreciate an, uh, your, your second super chat. But the Shamrock series, I'm just – I, I like the BYU matchup, to be honest with you, Vince. I think it's a good matchup for Notre Dame. I think they're going to be a top 25 team next so year. The one in Vegas is officially a Shamrock series? Okay. I believe so, yeah. Gotcha. So uh, I'm pretty sure it is. I thought that, that makes sense. It was. No, that makes Because when you look at Notre Dame's schedule, they have six other home games. Okay. No, it makes perfect sense so, that it would be. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that is their Shamrock series game. Mm-hmm. I like it. You know, Vince – Yes, it is. It is official. Okay. It will be against BYU. So you, gotcha. you caused me to doubt myself for a second. Not cool, Vince. <laughs> I like that matchup. I think BYU is going to be a top 25 caliber team next year. I, and I we've heard over and over about Notre Dame needing to face BYU and the independent this and that and the other. Okay. Well, well they still owe BYU. them a game in Provo, and that is something I'm annoyed by. Notre Dame promised BYU a game in Provo, and they still haven't honored that yet. And I, that really? annoys well, me a little bit. Yeah. When was that? Well, uh, it was back. Because Notre back Dame, with a Ty Willingham, the first no, game of the season mm-hmm. thing, okay. it was during like 2010 and 11 ish. Okay, because remember Notre Dame played BYU at home in 2012 and I believe in 2013, and Notre Dame had moved the game from Provo. They canceled it and said we'll we'll, we'll play you another game, and it was during that time when Notre Dame was trying to convince BYU to not join the conference to stay independent. Hmm. And so really? they did that, and then didn't honor going out there and owning them Interesting. playing that game. Okay. That's the that's the story. That's the that's the what mm-hmm. BYU has contended adamantly about. So I don't know if BYU is going to be content with this because it's close enough. It's a game in Vegas, but I'd still like to see Notre Dame make that game up in Provo. But BYU is a team I would like to see Notre Dame play more often. I, 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 it's not a series that I would want every year, but sure. I'd like to see it be a home and home. Couple years off, home and home. Couple years off, home and home. Or you know, if you don't want to go out to Provo a ton, then hey, uh, sign a contract agreeing that the BYU home game yeah. is going to be a neutral site game. That's sure. fine. Sure. But that's kind of what I would like to see. Uh, as far as how many players are going to go play for Kelly, as of right now, I've heard of none. Uh, now I know yeah, that I they mean, have pursued guys from Notre Dame. They, that is in fact true. Some of the guys jumping in the portal may look at LSU for for, but I don't know of any. There's I don't believe there's going to be anyone that were like wow that guy transferred to lsu to play for brian kelly right. i don't think that's going to be the case like carrie g was originally committed to lsu if you remember correctly and then decommitted in notre dame and eventually got him so it would make sense if he went back to lsu but i don't i don't know that that's why he left to go to lsu so i i don't know how it's going to shake out dave i don't know who's going to go down and play for him but it's not going to be someone that we're like wow you know, so and so that we thought was going to come back and be a player for Notre Dame this year is going to LSU. It won't be. It won't be like that. All right, Brian, like I've got to hit the road. Uh, I will let okay. you finish off a couple of these super chats and everybody. Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been real, and I will see all of you tomorrow. 
because we got another good one coming tomorrow. I'm really yep. kind of excited about it. Yeah, so. tomorrow's going to be more of just what we learned from yeah. the Fiesta Bowl, where Notre Dame still needs to get to as a program. So yep, thanks absolutely. For, thanks for being with us, Vince. You bet. Jim Halloran says, welcome back. Where's Notre Dame at with scholarship numbers? Jim, I've got a – let me pull up my scholarship numbers thing here and see if that has updated yet. I need to look at that. I believe as of yesterday they were around 80, 89 believe 89 and i'm looking at the numbers now that that includes so no caleb offered that includes dj brown still coming back that includes josh lug coming back i still have Jarrett patterson john dirksen george takis so it's updated and right now i have it at 89 now there will be some guys that will still leave so but it's 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 not just about losing four guys. You have to lose more than that if you're going to then bring in grad transfers or signees. So I think that's the the piece to me of this that you have to look at because it's not just about what you're where you are with the 85. It's it's you need to get past 85 because there's players that you want to try to bring in. Matt, Matt 2011 GT. If you were playing Madden, playing behind Madden, he's going to get you. This this is true. This is true. That that might have that might actually might actually have been been true. To be completely honest with you, and I think that is going to do it. So we did get to the end of those. So look, I, I appreciate everybody being part of the show today. We apologize for the the technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, uh, but we appreciate everybody appreciate everybody being part of what uh, what we were doing today. We will be back tomorrow at twelve thirty. We're going to talk about the big picture from what we learned from the bowl game. Now, of course, if there's breaking news comes out, we'll address that We either in tomorrow's show or we'll have a special show. But make sure you stay locked in to irishbreakdown.com uh, for all of our art written articles. If you go to the message boards down there below for our uh, premium content, we've got an intel on Brandon Joseph. And anytime we have some information on um, – transfers in recruiting and that stuff it'll always go to the to the message board first so you definitely want to make sure you check that out so we did have a question here from kale mendenhall what are your thoughts on mike mickens as a coach i think mike mickens is a really good coach and i think that we have seen the issues he's had have been more related to the personnel than they they have poorly poorly poor coaching i think we've seen him you know improve we saw nick mcleod improve a lot last year we saw Tariq bracing improve this year We've seen Cam Hart really do well to get ready to go and be able to make a, you know, be able to play for Notre Dame and help them out. So I think in regards to that, I think he's a guy that's proven that he can be a very successful football coach and he's a very good football coach. And he had a lot to do with the guys at, uh, you know, at, at Cincinnati and the success that they had. So I think he's a really good football coach. I, I do. I just think he's got to get his players in. That's going to be the bigger thing. And then Zach Mart with Super Chat. Thank you, Zach. Happy New, New Year's, Brian. Obviously, Dante is number one for 2023. Who would round out your top three for 2023 recruits? I mean, right now, the only guys on the board are Nico uh, from California, and you have uh, well, you have four. Nico, and then you have Avery Johnson from Kansas. You have Jackson Arnold from Texas, and then you have Chris Vizina from Alabama. I, I Of those guys, I you know, Nico, I think, is the most talented, but I, I question the fit. After that, my top guy would probably be Chris Vizina, but Jackson Arnold's a good football player as well, and and I like Avery Johnson, although Avery's a lot more raw, but he's a talented kid as well. So I think they're all good players. I just think right now, I think right now it's it's better to have, it's better to have, you know, keep pushing for Dante is going to be the big thing for me. 
So, and then after that, we'll see how it shakes out. So that's going to do it for, for us today, everybody. I appreciate you joining us. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. We would appreciate that very, very much. And of course, sign up for the message board. Ton of, ton of conversation going on. Ton of intel we're putting on there. Appreciate everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.